Hello, I'm Mallory Rubin. And I'm Van Lathan. Check out the Ringerverse podcast from The Ringer for all things superhero movies, nerd culture, and fandom entertainment. We have instant reviews and fun takes on all the latest news and more available now on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This f***ing guy. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast, Ringer FC. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. <laughs> Ryan, how are you doing? I'm right, thanks. How are you? <laughs> Very well, thanks. <laughs> How's the promo tour? It's absolutely amazing, actually, as an experience. It's incredible. I'm so serious FOMO. I'm not going to lie. Well, no, I know. So I was in um, London, started start off in London, went to Manchester um, and was on the BBC Breakfast this morning, which was incredible. And then back down from Manchester, same day and doing some more stuff this week. It's just like end to end. It's, it's exhilarating, actually. It's a real vibe. Well, I procrastinated this afternoon, put some records on whilst folding up and returning a rug. So, oh, no. You know, you're not the only one who's been busy. Oh, no. We did see the great <laughs> Carl Anker last night. Shout out to Carl. Yeah, little disclaimer. We're recording this Wednesday late afternoon, early evening, because yeah, yeah. you are on this whirlwind, busy, busy, busy schedule. But probably, um, yeah. And uh, you were in Manchester and I wasn't. And this is really like... like oh no. I, was, I got really sad. Carl was like on such good form. Carl, Carl was glowing because I've not seen these people for like, like yourself, like two years, right? I've never and, met Carl in real life. Oh, that's so funny. When's the book out? It's out Thursday, Striking Out. The 2nd of September. Yes. Go and buy Striking Out by Musa Kwonga and Ian Wright. Very hyped, very hyped. I had comments on the drip. People were like, ah, oh, you had a gilet. And I was like, a gilet and a roll neck. People did clock it. Channeling his inner Sherwood. Listen, roll neck <laughs> energy, roll neck season. Wow, man. I, I can't believe that we got, uh, like, right, you mentioned Stadio on BBC Breakfast. It's so cool, isn't it? Sent it to my mum. She was just yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> Quick bit of admin before we go, but before we start, first of all, we hope everyone's staying safe and well. Yeah, yeah. Anyone who's been affected by the hurricane, we hope everyone is okay. A slight schedule change because of Wrighty and Moose's... Special adventure. Excellent adventure. Yeah. Uh, Wrighty's house will go up on Monday and then Stadio will go up next Thursday. So there'll just be two podcasts up on the feed next week. But yeah, after that, everything resumes as normal. But yeah, because we were going to do the untweetable 11 today, we're not. We're going to do that next week and we're going to do... Today we're going to do a bit of a reaction to transfer deadline day, Some answer some questions. Uh, another quick bit of admin just while we're here before we get on um, thanks to everyone who signed up for Caracom like I spoke to Callum who was loving it he was just like all these people from Stadio we mentioned it last week if you want to if you want to sign up final few days before I think it all goes live caracom.uk go check it out um, yep. check Caracom web on Instagram uh, we've reposted it so go check it out some other admin Stadio Outros plays on Spotify if you want to check the music we play out on each episode yeah. and uh, the ringer.com forward slash soccer I think that's everything. So today we're going to touch on some of the deadline day action. 
Yes. So we're going to do pick some of our favourites, some of the ones that we're more intrigued about, and then also just touch on a couple of questions. So let's get into it after this. Let's do it. Before we do, though, Women's Champions yeah. League this week. We're recording this oh. ahead of some of the Wednesday ties. Oh, wow. Fantastic. But Real Madrid, their first ever Champions League game, they drew one all at home with Manchester City, which is a really big result for them, actually, considering it was their first. That's a horrible tie. I know. That's a horrible, horrible, like, first engagement. Yeah, that's like... <laughs> We're recording this ahead of the Wednesday ties, which includes Wolfsburg-Bordeaux, uh, Juve's first game, uh, Lyon. And, yeah, these are the qualifiers at the moment, remember. So the final stage of the qualifying rounds, I think, before they get to the group stage. By the time you hear this as well, Cristiano Ronaldo may have become the all-time top men's international goalscorer if he scores in a game that would have already taken place by the time you've heard this. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So, deadline day was a little bit manic. Wild. I'd like to start in Spain. I, I'm glad you said that. Let's go to Spain. You're going to start with Atleti or Barca? Atleti. Well, both, maybe. because Kind of related, aren't they? Taken together. So Antoine Griezmann rejoined Atletico Madrid on loan. It was a weird deal. So basically a one-year loan, an option to extend for a second year, and then a permanent fee of 40 million euros, which is obviously, what, 80 million less than what Atleti paid, uh, sold him for two seasons ago? It's a fire sale, basically. Originally, the, the, the stuff that was coming out about that deal was that Jao Felix was going to go the other way. Yeah. However, why would they give anything back? And then they ended up getting Luke de Jong on loan from Sevilla, which is a weird one. And Sal Nigeth went to Chelsea on loan for a season. So all the, these, these three transfers were all linked, actually. Yeah. And I don't think either of them, could, well, any one could have happened without the other dominoes falling. It felt very much like a, one of those like multiple... Trades, trades in, the, in yeah. the NBA, yeah, exactly. Very much that kind of style. Where do you want to begin here? Do you want to begin with Saul? Yes. So Saul going to Chelsea on loan. Astonishing business. Well, I think a lot of people who maybe don't watch La Liga religiously may think they're getting a different player to what they're actually getting at Chelsea. I think that Saul is a great player, but there's a but. Mm. And that is that he hasn't commanded in midfield, I think, as much as maybe people expected way back. Yeah. Which is why he's fallen off in terms of... Well, which is why he ended up playing, like doing shifts at left back. Supplanted by Thomas Partey. That was the tell, I think, when Partey came in and asserted himself. And I I think this is a sad thing is it's going to be lost in the next year and a half, just how good Thomas Partey actually is. Mm. So Anfield is one of the best performances I've seen by a midfielder in a very long time. But I think that's a testament to how competitive that Atleti midfield is and what Simeone demands of you now. Tuchel obviously got a particular plan for for Sal Niguez. Uh, you know, Tuchel, well, one thing I would say in Tuchel's defence is he knows what he's doing. And he would have looked at him as a player and his attributes and thought, I've got a role. Might be bad news for Ben Chilwell. <laughs> Chilwell, oh my goodness, the most blameless omission. Ben Chilwell is basically the kind of Cade Navas of English football in the sense that he did nothing wrong and still got replaced. Mm. <laughs> he's, just done, he's never knownly failed an assignment. I've mm. looked at him and like, every time I watch Chilwell, it just locks down the left flank. But he's behind Luke Shaw and he's behind Marcus Alonso. And he's one of the best fullbacks in Europe. I know. It's so funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, really I funny. think it's going to, it's going to give, I, I think actually he will play in midfield for Chelsea. We've had various questions about like Pulisic's playing time or various mm. players playing time at Chelsea. And I think he'll probably get a big stint in midfield. And that's probably one of the, re- I have no in, insight in this, but I can imagine that that's probably one of the, the things he would have asked straight away before he went. It's going to give him another <laughs> really, really good option in there. I don't think he'll be a regular starter initially. No. If you look at that Chelsea midfield, actually, I would probably Stacked. be surprised if he locks down a starting place at all. Yeah, I'd be surprised. With Saul, Kante, Kovacic and Jorginho, that's just the absolute central four. Then Mount can drop in if he has to. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know. What it does do, again, is it gives Tuchel, who is obviously a, a very, very tactically astute manager, another option to reconfigure 
or another option for a configuration of that Chelsea side. Because if you think last season, I think the league was, was such a write-off that Champions League obviously was the goal. Yes. This season, they will be making an assault on multiple fronts. They'll obviously Absolutely. have the World Club Cup as well that they'll want to win. They will probably want to win the FA Cup. They will probably want to win the League Cup and they'll want to win the League and they'll want to go back to back in the Champions They're going for everything. It's unspoken, but they're going to go for everything. Yeah, turbo tuckle time. Yeah, yeah. We were saying here on the way down, on the way down from Manchester, I was talking to Ian and Roscoe about this and what's wild is, you look at Pulisic, he came from Dortmund, didn't get into the squad immediately under Lampard, but when you know he gets a new management, he's thinking, okay, well, it's my time. You know, these other players coming in now, all of a sudden, Tuchel is, you know, Pulisic's further back in the queue. Mm. And Sal Niguez is there. Kovacic is showing some really nice form. He's pushed himself ahead in the queue. Now he's back. Like there's, there's no position. And this, if, if they brought in Kunde from Sevilla, mm. that would have been wild. Like the, you know, Chelsea are so good. They sold for Kao Tomori to Milan and they allowed Kurt Zuma to go to West Ham. Like Kurt Zuma may not be a regular starter, but would have been a good squad player. But the quality at Chelsea is such that you can't sleep for a moment. No. And it's weird because Tuchel is this mixture of, how do I say this? He's extremely structured and tactical, but he also loves the drama. Mm. Like he loves the competitive pressure of, okay, you're good and change scene. Like he loves the constant competition within the squad. I think he must, otherwise he wouldn't keep introducing these new elements. Yeah, definitely. Chelsea have basically got a second and potential third choice midfield that would probably still get into the Champions League. You know what I mean? There are probably only five players in the Chelsea 11, first 11, who are safe at any one time. Yeah. Like who are safe. If you think about actually safe, maybe I would say Rudiger, Mendy, Lukaku, Lukaku at the moment, and Mount, and Azpilicueta, I would say. I would say those are the ones that are kind of, because when I say safe, I mean, because the tactical changes might have Jorginho out. Canton mm-hmm. might be out for tactical reasons, but everyone else is fundamentally interchangeable. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So from an Atleti point of view, now the thing about the Sal deal was that I think he was getting a bit grumbly about yeah, playing at left back. Understandably. It was quite heavily rumoured that he, he was going to go at some point and obviously getting the wages off the books. He's on quite a lot of money, actually. I think it's like north of 200 grand a week. Oh my goodness. Okay, yeah, yeah you have to shift that. That's wild, yeah. So it allowed Atleti to get Antoine Griezmann back. But the thing that's really interesting is like, Atleti are really stacked for forward players now. If you think that they've got what, like Carrasco, Correa, uh, they signed Mateus Cunha as well in this window, remember? Wow, yeah. They've got Luis Suarez, they've got Jao Felix, they've now got Antoine Griezmann, and you could add Thomas Lamar into that as well as a forward player. Because the good of the thing is they're quite they've varied as well. They do different things, those forwards. There was actually a really funny thing I think Sid said on Spanish Football Podcast about um, Griezmann playing left wing back. <laughs> <laughs> But he could. But actually, this is again... He was the best defender. He was the best defender for France. He is actually a very, very underrated defender. Yeah. For for an attacker, for sure. Like Antoine Griezmann is actually a very, very underrated defender. Yeah, yeah. He was excellent at Euros. The thing that's really interesting here, I think, though, is that you have... I'm not going to say... We'll talk about Luke de Jong in a little bit, but I think with Saul and with Griezmann, you have two players whose careers have kind of just stalled a little bit. Yes, Yes. Which is a weird thing to say if you think about someone who you know, won the World Cup a few years ago. Three years ago, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's stalled, yeah. Antoine Griezmann was genuinely the third best player in the world for like, what, two years? Yeah, yeah. Definitely top five. Lights out, yeah. But I think there was, there, there was a genuine argument, I think, in maybe his final season at Atleti, maybe the season before, that he was legit the third best player in the world. Yes, and the only reason he's thrown out Atleti is because the workload he had at Atleti, the amount he was expected to do in that final season at Atleti was mind-blowing and he still did it, even with all the kind of transfer rumours. The move to Barcelona, this is the thing, like, be careful what you wish for. That wasn't the fit. It was never, it never, ever worked. Never no, worked and also the way that he dicked around the season before. That's terrible, yeah. And then when a season later, I don't think that went down well in Barcelona. Well, he made out like he was, oh my God, look, all hail the great Griezmann, but there was no concept of how he was going to fit. Like, he didn't have a forward man. We know that Griezmann plays well off someone and there was none to play off at Barca. It was um, a disaster waiting to happen and the disaster happened and now he's back at Atleti. Mm-hmm. The only good thing for them is that they've got a real chance to go all the way, well, when do they not, in Europe and in the league. And they really need to go for Europe this year because frankly, they've got no excuse at this point. 
Even even the the, in, the uh, injury excuse before was, you know, Diego Costa got injured or like, you know, mainstream striker got, a main starting striker got injured. They don't have that. They've got so much depth, Ryan. Mm. They can no longer say we don't have goals in us. They won't wash anymore. Uh, yeah, I agree. And I, but I think this is obviously a different Atleti as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we said it last season that Simeone did kind of seem caught a little bit to, between two ideals. It's like the bed sheet. We said the, like the bed sheet where you can't cover the head yeah. and the feet at the same time. Yeah, it's the same thing. But this season, I think that they've got so much talent going forward. It gives Simeone an interesting headache. But I mean, Jao Felix, unfortunately, as well. I think that since the COVID thing last season, he's not really mm. he's not no, really no. hit the same heights. There was that time. Was it the first half of last season where he looked like he was just about to go into Stella? Oh my goodness! Yeah, absolutely. Oh God, I've nicked a Mooserism. What the hell? Good. <laughs> Keep it in there. <laughs> You know, you're contemplating your life choices. <laughs> Can't believe the window shut and I didn't get a move. You look genuinely, you didn't get a move exactly. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting at Atleti because I think they do have probably, like you said, I think probably the best depth. Mm. I don't think the pressure is really on Barcelona or Real Madrid as much as it would have been last season or the season before. I think weirdly, I think the, sh- the pressure has kind of shifted to Atleti now because people yeah, now see them expected. as the yeah. favourites yeah. and they've yeah. never really, for a long, long time, they've never been seen as the favourites to win the league from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to it's gonna provide a really interesting dynamic, I think, in La Liga this season. One of the top four from last season, Sevilla, lost Luke De Jong to Barca. This is a strange one as well, I think, because I'm not entirely sure Barca needed him. Yeah, Brathwaite's doing, Brathwaite's doing just fine. Yeah, but also you've got Ansu Fati to come back into that front three. Yeah, again, I don't think he, yeah, I don't think he needed a Luke Dion. I mean, he's not the most, not the, he won't necessarily be the worst loss for Sevilla, only mm-hmm. because he's never been the most prolific. And they've got exciting playmaking and attacking options there anyway. I don't think that will hurt them so much. I'm just not sure how much he fits into the Barca framework, as you say. If you look at the plays they've lost, they've lost a couple of really, not key, but handy options defensively. And not seeing, well, seeing people like Eli Eakes go and Emerson oh Royale go. I think. Well, I had a chat with them. I had a chat with, quickly on Eli Eakes. I had a chat with uh, Kevin Williams about this. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, was he going to get any games, actually, Eli Eakes? Like, he played a lot last season, though. Yeah, but then... Yes, you've got Eric Garcia in there now this season. Yeah, but, but Pedri, Frankie de Jong and Busquets and then you've got Ricky Pooch in and around. And, you, you know, and also he's an unpredictable character, Kuman, right? So you're saying to Ilaiks, yeah, just hang around in the squad. Well, he wants to play games. Mm. He wants to play regular games. He never came out and said that. And all the talk was about, oh, his salary's not enough at Barca. But actually, if you're a young midfield who wants to kick on and play every week, RB Leipzig is where you go. You don't have all that hassle about like, oh, the next big thing. You don't have the hassle of stepping into the shoes of a Busquets. You go to RB Leipzig, work on a Jesse Marsh. He's going to coach you really, really well. And two to three years from now, you've got what? 70 league games under your belt? Mm. As opposed to being at Barca. Look, they're going to play Busquets until his kneecaps fall off. They, they are. That's what they're going to do with him. Uh, and looking at Barca, if I was a, you know, your young midfielder, Pedri is, you know, Pedri always plays, but Frankie Young's out of position. And that's going to hurt your long-term development. He's never yet been consistent with Frankie Dion of Ajax. So if you're Eli Eakes looking at that going, yeah, I'm getting some games, but am I getting the run of games that I want? Maybe. So I kind, of, I, kind of respect the, I kind of respect the decision to bounce, actually. I mean, he'll um, play, for sure. Yeah, in the he'll play plenty at, at Leipzig, yeah. Ansu took the number 10 shirt of Leo Messi. I love, well, I, love I say so Turkey much. got giving it, giving it. And I think the thing is that. a lot of people are saying leave it vacant, but in La Liga, we have to register all the... He can, wear, he can wear it. He's not afraid of it. I think it'd be fine. It's, it's a very heavy shirt to wear, but I think it's a good option for Barcelona, actually. For example, if someone like Coutinho had taken it or, or Martin Brathwaite, who wanted it last season, when Messi was rumoured to go, I think that would have just been very... But everyone knows that Ansu Fati is next up. Everyone knows that he's next up. Yeah, right? and he's come through and he's a, he's a, he's a La Masia boy and he's, you know, he's the... He's, he's the next bright young hope for, for, for Barca. So I think actually it's not a bad move giving it to him. I think he's going to get cut a hell of a lot of slack, hell of a lot more slack than other more senior players would have got if they'd taken the number 10 shirt, I think. Very fair, very fair, yeah. yeah. Before we move on from La Liga, Hector. Let's talk about Hector. Oh my goodness, okay. So we had a question from Ben Awusu who says, what is the most wholesome transfer, Bellerin to Betis or Troidini to Birmingham City? Troy Deeney has been obviously a Birmingham fan all his life. He's got a Birmingham City right. tattoo, right? 
and he's you know towards the very end of his career and he signed for his the club that he supported all his life that's an amazingly wholesome signing i to me that's what that's what shades it for me yeah i know that betis have i mean bella in it did have a better association. Yeah, his dad is a better fan. Yeah, I love that so much. I just think the circumstances of Bellerin's departure are just that bit more, I think, painful. Mm. You know, Dini, Dini naturally, like there's, you know, he come to an end of a cycle. Um, Emmanuel Dennis is there. It's hard for him to get games. He was struggling to get matches, you know. So in, being phased out in the best possible way, like it was an age thing. But the circumstances of his departure there's no sense of unfinished business, right? Dini gave of everything till he couldn't give any more. And he naturally, you know, reached that sort of subsided and became a kind of, you know, so, whereas Bellerine, the injuries were just so, that, that's what makes it painful. It makes it not, um, it doesn't feel wholesome so much as poignant. It's a poignant departure because it is the end of a, for me, Bellerin leaving, from my perspective, I'm not an Arsenal fan, it is the end of a particular era of Arsenal. Um, only because he defined so much of Arsenal for me for such a long time. And I think that his very best, he was touched by greatness, actually, Bellerin. Injury stopped him from being that, but he was on a trajectory towards something really quite exciting. And also just a genuinely wonderful human being. That's when he left the Premier League. It's not, he didn't just leave Arsenal. He left the Premier League and he stood for so many great things. You know, his stance, you know, his stance on like, you know, women's rights or environmental issues or his like, you know, there was, well about Bellerin is his curiosity. Mm. starting a podcast, letting people talk about different things, not caring about being perceived, doing his fashion, not caring. People thought, oh, is that, is that a footballer's thing? He will look back at what he did. And I think his legacy, legacy is a big word, but what Bellerin stood for off the pitch as well as on it, I think is, is quite special. If that makes sense. As a Hector Bellerin fan, I hope he does well. And, you know, there are worse places to go than Seville to play football. Betis is a wonderful football club and they could do with the right back. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be a really fun move for him. As an Arsenal fan, I'm absolutely devastated by this, to be honest, because I don't think Hector is anywhere near as bad as a number of people have made him out to be over the last couple of years. If you look at Arsenal before transfer deadline day, I still think he was the best right back in the team, in the squad. I don't really think it was close, actually. Mm. If I'm being honest, that's just my opinion. Now, right, right. I also think that he was nailed on to be a cap- club captain. Mm. for fans I think it would have been great to have a captain like Hector Bellerin at a football club and he would have really loved that honour as well yeah and I think he's just been I don't know I, I have no insight into it but I think he's just been fucked around basically and I don't think I, I get the impression he wasn't very happy with things that were, how things were going at Arsenal and my, my dream scenario is that he absolutely kills it on loan yeah. and comes back and stays because that's yeah. what I want I, I, I'm always a bit when someone goes out on loan at 26 yeah, it's the beginning of the end, isn't it? Mm. Or 25, speaking, 26. For the, most, 26, for the most part, it's still, the beginning of the end, yeah. yeah. Um, but they replaced him, or the Arsenal did sign another right-back from Bologna. Um, uh, it was quite. A, it came kind of out of nowhere. Uh, £16 million, pounds, around €20 million, Euros, Takahiro Tomiyasu from Bologna. There's a really good piece that Phil Costa wrote. Phil Costa, part of One Football and Scouted Football. Um, he wrote a good piece on Ask Blog about him. And whilst, admittedly, I didn't watch every single Bologna game last season, I have seen him a little bit. I did a little bit more reading. I read Phil's piece as well and, and watched a few more videos about him. And he does look quite an interesting signing for Arsenal, actually. I saw Gary Neville talking on Sky Sports about how Arsenal's strategy was all over the place. And I was just like, what are you talking about? Arsenal's strategy is like... It's the one part of the... Yeah, it's the only thing about the football club that actually makes sense at the moment. I had a chat with a friend about this and I was going, actually, what they need to do is whoever, whoever is in that transfer room has got a vague idea what they're doing. They need to give them more responsibility. Finally, Yeah, right, right. You know, finally, there actually seems like after three or four years, maybe even five of Arsenal signing a really mixed bag of profile and type of player, it finally looks like they're kind of on it. Like, I, think, I don't think they've signed a player over 23 this season and they've cleared out a lot of older players as well. Obviously, Willian... Um, agreed to cancel his contract to go to Corinthians which yeah. was a nice touch as well took a lot of shit William and obviously he never delivered at the level that Arsenal fans would have expected but that's also you know it's not like he just went there to take the money he wanted to play no football. he didn't no you know, he surely didn't football players want to play they can't call him greedy because that is a player that bounced when they realised things weren't working probably you know professionally people forget that a lot of players not all of them but the vast majority of players are professionally quite proud 
you want to do a good job and it wasn't working for him. And it's to his credit. And someone say, oh, well, like, well, he didn't be, you know, he canceled the last part of the contract. Let's talk about Tomiyasu. There were some really interesting things that I found in, in Phil's piece about the statistical element of it. So he's, he's quite a big dude, he's six foot two. I saw Tayo Papula write a thing about being skeptical of tall fullbacks. Ah, <laughs> it's just really funny. But he wins 3.5 aerial duels per 90, which leaves him in the 99th percentile for fullbacks. That's wild. He's jumping a lot, yeah. Or the 85th percentile if you rate him against centre-backs. He can play right-back, centre-back. He's did a stint in midfield. He has even played left-back. He's quite versatile. He's quite good with the ball. He's quite a good dribbler, dribbler and passer at the ball. I mean, there was a really good quote from Mihailovic in there where he said, in, in any emergency, he would be my first contact. Tommy gives us full commitment in every game, in every position. We cannot ask for more. And I think that's a really, really interesting signing. Now, a lot of people have been like, well, why, have Ar- why are Arsenal signing a player from Bologna when no one else really went after him? But no one really scout- was saying that about like Leicester's recruiting and scouting. Maybe Arsenal got great scouting. God forbid. God forbid someone at Arsenal knows what they're doing. I'm sorry, this is the well, thing. Well, I really hope someone at Arsenal does know what they're doing. Well, it's become, well, I just have to say this, and I'm not even an Arsenal fan, but it's just very easy to kick Arsenal at the moment and turn everything into banter. <laughs> but I think it's kind of childish. I know it's football, it's, it's fun, but it's like, it's kind of ridiculous. Like, you brought in Martin Odegaard, one of the finest playmakers of a generation. You brought in Ben White, fantastic defender. Loads of You potential. know what, actually, those are super, right. And you've got Lukonga as well. Aaron These Ramsdale, are like, he will be the, he's basically, he's not, a, a lot of people are like, I can't believe Arsenal spent over like 25 million pounds on a backup goalkeeper. He's going to be number one next season, I think. When oh Lane my God, leaves. Arsenal investing in the future. Oh my goodness. Arsenal, you know, people don't accept it because it's not fun to accept that a club that's been dysfunctional for a while is doing things right. We had it at United, like the signing of like someone like Raphael Varane, whoever was involved in that, whoever was central to that decision-making needs to be given more responsibility. And this is my sort of thing. I was talking to Ian about this earlier. You know, the thing is, in any huge institution where there's passion for the institution, genuine passion, the right people are already there. They're already working there. They may not be senior enough, but mm. the right people, they may be in the boot room. They may be like in the operations IT department, but they're in the organization. And your trick is, your job is to find them, trace back all the best decisions that happen in your organization and promote the people that are behind them. Mm. You know, yeah. it's like when, yeah, you know, like in Bath, they sacked like, you know, the, the Barca B coach. It didn't have time to like find a new club or they sacked a bizarrator. When you're sacking people with that much institutional knowledge and nous, you're in danger. But someone at Arsenal is doing things right. So just give them more responsibility. If United had bought the players that Arsenal had bought, this is a very different conversation. Interesting. If Liverpool had bought the players that Arsenal had bought, it's a very different conversation because Arsenal's competence is no longer being assumed. That makes sense. Anyway, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think their incompetence has been assumed, to be honest. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Matt Celentano said, what can Arsenal fans expect from Tommy Asu? So yeah, kind of mentioned that. But yeah, go and read Phil's piece. It's really good. Yeah, I think it's at Phil Costa on Twitter. You mentioned Liverpool. We had a yes. question about Liverpool. Samuel, Sam Lloyd, zero on Twitter. Thoughts on Liverpool's window? A lot of clubs spent loads of money and there were lots of high profile transfers. Seen a few memes about Liverpool being net spend winners of 21-22. But I think we had a good window. I think so. Should we have spent big to compete? No, because Klopp, we've seen it time and again with Klopp. Brought Javier about from loan. Curtis Jones is brilliant. Players are fit again. Naby Keita has looked really sharp since returning. Firmino's got that great desire. Jota has introduced a competitive element to the front line. Liverpool have Marte the pieces. Given them a, a much better depth at centre back as well. Liverpool have the pieces. Yeah, I mean, if you and think that, is, like yeah, they had yeah, half yeah. of what I mean, I think was it pa- only Palace had more injuries right. or, or more appearances missed by players with injury last season. I Liverpool think I think that's it. the start. If, uh, Liverpool were definitely really up there. Yeah. So Liverpool last season, obviously, they lost Van Dijk super early on. They thought, what was it like 16, 17 centre back pairings Awful. or something? It was, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. remember that stat. I can't remember what yeah, it was. Yeah. But it was, it was super weird. Um, obviously, Kabak coming in on loan from Schalke and like, Bless struggling. Kabak. And, Poor like, Kabak. Going went to Norris, though, actually. I like that. I like, I like that. I like that a I lot. Really for like that in fact, actually, Norwich, I think, have, have slyly had quite an interesting window. Look, I like that a lot. I like what they've done. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of this. Norwich yeah, and Villa yeah. have had very kind of like, Oh, I'm, talk about the investment. All right, lads. Yeah, How are you yeah, doing? Yeah. 
very, very good. I mean, obviously Chelsea have stole the show in terms of, I think... The high profile and the, yeah, 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 yeah. Upgrades thing, right? Of course, yeah, yeah. Obviously Manchester United with signing Jadon Sancho, which weirdly seems to have... I don't think that signing now feels as kind of marquee as it should have done when Jadon Sancho returned to England. And I, I see that. And I wonder yeah. why. But obviously then with Rafa Varane as well, and then obviously Cristiano Ronaldo re-signing, they have had like three huge signings this summer. Gosh, the wildest thing is just on a United note, looking out of the hotel this morning before doing the promo and seeing Old Trafford. Honestly, Ryan, the chills, just seeing the stadium. I can't, you can't describe the feeling of seeing a crucible like that. Dude, I used to, I used to see it all the time. Yeah, wow. But, and also City, you know, with Grealish. Yeah. Massive signing. I think Liverpool would be okay. If I was going to nitpick, maybe a striker. Short and attack, yeah. Maybe. Problem is though, yes, maybe a striker, but to get a player of the quality up front that would play for Liverpool, who is happy being on the bench that long, because that Liverpool forward line is a victim of its own durability. It's so durable that you're not going to get games. It's Malé, Firmino, Salah. Jota comes in more and more now, but that fundamentally is the four. And if you're the fifth wheel on that, you just don't get games. Yeah, but I it's, think that, yeah, 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 that's fair actually. Yeah, I, don't, just, it's, it's, I think if there was a serious upgrade to be had there, it's obviously going to cost, but you saw how much the Kaku cost, like it cost a fortune. This is the problem. You, you change the entire attacking balance. Mm. I just feel like it's one of those ones where Klopp is, it's not broken, I won't fix it. And if I need to, I'll put Curtis Jones in the front three or whatever, like he'll find a way around to get the goal somewhere. I'll find the goal somewhere. That's his attitude, I think. I think probably this is going to be the final year that we'll see of that front three. Yeah, very possibly. Very possibly. Liverpool might make a move next season for someone up top. Which is why losing Michael Edwards is not a bad... It's not a good time to lose Michael Edwards, is it? No, it's not. Just when you need to revamp aspects of that team. Yeah. Um, Actually, just quickly on Chelsea, I think... Well, just the Premier League in general. So there's two things before we wrap up from the Premier League. Mm. I don't want to go on the downer of it because obviously everyone loves transfers and transfers are fun and new, new, new signings and stuff like that. But I think the Premier League spent a combined or spent more than the other top four leagues combined. Wow. Or I think someone actually said like every league in Europe combined, which is a very, very troubling statistic, I think. Yeah. And it should, I think it should actually be something that worries a lot of of people. If you think what's happened since the the Super League stuff, the conversations around the state of the game have gone very, very quiet. Yes. um, Among fans. And I think that's, well, not all fans, but I think compared to the mobilizing that happened around the Super League pro- yes. pro- uh, protest, I'm not wild about seeing this, to be honest. I'm not. If you, I think like the Bundesliga made a net profit this season. Yeah. Um, now that is because they won't pay the wages and they don't have the, the, the money that Premier League clubs do. And, you know, I remember speaking to someone who was involved in the Bundesliga a few years ago and their mission is not to be the richest league in the world, it's to be the like the best and the most popular league in the world. Um, but it is quite worrying, I think. And I think it, uh, there have been a few pieces out there about how this transfer window feels very much like the dawn of a new era. Yes. I think Rory Smith had one on the New York Times, which I haven't read. I just saw the headline. It definitely feels like this window has caused a shift. And I think that's obviously, we've talked about the financial muscle of PSG and Manchester City, but Manchester City, yeah, they spent a hundred million pounds on one player, but, you know, they didn't go out and spend 250 million in a window or something like that. Now they've spent a lot of money. This particular window, for example, I don't think, you know, you can really like fire shots at Manchester City. And actually, weirdly, I think the Premier League is a little bit of an anomaly in terms of like the Petro yeah. state-backed clubs. The amount of money they've put in allows, look at Villa, for example. Villa don't have that window. Villa spent like 94 million or whatever. And they spent a lot last season as well, before the Grealish yeah. transfer. Yeah. They've had a lot of investment. Just the wealth of the Premier League concentrates so much, well, it concentrates so much that I am a little bit worried that you are going to have like PSG who can afford to pay, you know, who can afford to pay the wages of all the people they've signed. And mm. keep Mbappe, which we'll touch on after the break, by the way. That's wild. That's wild. Players will still go to certain clubs for the heritage because they just want to play there. But it definitely feels like something's shifting. It definitely feels like the, 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 the traditional end destinations aren't there anymore. Not at all. Not at all. The cent- it's a centre of gravity. Yeah, for sure. European football has, has gone. But yeah, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back. Let's do it. Interesting bit of business, but it's been going around for a while and we kind of knew it was going to happen. Marcel Sabitzer to buy in for a very, very... Oh my God. 
and uh, <sighs> yeah, uh, I was. Uh, uh, I mean, it's I good. It's, it's that's a really good buy for buying an extreme. It's unbelievable. And he unbelievable uh, turned buy. up to his unveiling in a in a roll neck, which you would have liked. I'm very, very partial to that. I have to say, Marcel Sabitzer went mainstream a little while ago, but um, yes, he was our uh, favorite. Was it Carrick's Law, Firmino's Law? Yeah, like so, players who are so un- so rated, underrated players where people are like, "Oh my god, they're so underrated." They're actually not underrated. They're rated just fine. Yeah, they're rated just fine. Yeah. Okay, right. Let's talk about. Um, sorry, to, we had a question from Alex Brotherton about Atleti. This is what he said: Atleti potentially making a twenty-three million euro profit from selling Griezmann, signing Jao Felix, winning La Liga, and bringing Greasy back is a damning indictment of Barca's mismanagement. Does it mark the end for Felix at Atleti? He can't get in the team as it is. Missed that question earlier on, but we did kind of talk about it. So sorry, I Alex. don't think it marks the end for him at all. I think we'll be fine. And he's still super. Shra Felix, come on, like yeah, Shra Felix. Well, if it doesn't work out, I know, uh, I know a place you can go. He's extremely welcome at United uh, and at Arsenal. Thank you very much. Oh, sorry. Do you know what? I didn't even think of it. I, I mean, just not that he dropped to that level, but you know, anyway. Oh, right. <laughs> Stop that. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> okay. All right. Let's talk about Mbappe. Yes. There was a lot of rumours that he was going to go to Real Madrid. I think yes. we kind of knew that he probably wouldn't. You clocked it, actually. I was less I, I don't want to take credit sure. for that. I think a lot of people clocked it. I was less sure. I think I underestimated the sheer desire of Real Madrid to posture because I feel this is a really important signing for Real if they'd made it. I think this is extremely important. I think they need an Mbappe. Uh, I actually, I, I wrote in a piece to the ring where I said, look, this is a bit of an ailing empire. You know, financially, I would say certainly it's, it's like, you know, one of these grand palaces that's losing its last days a lick of paint. And someone said, oh, but we've won three Champions Leagues in a few years. I know that, I said, but... Things change quick. They do change quick. And the finances, the long-term, you know, the, the shift you're talking about, which is completely right, the shift, Real Madrid need a young player of an elite level to build the myth. What's that great book, um, Neil Gaiman, American Gods, how the gods lose their power because they're no longer being prayed to. Madrid can lose their luster as an institution if people stop praying to them mm. and they need a new God and Mbappe is the new God. And I suppose really, foolishly, I disregarded the sheer financial muscle of PSG who can just say casually no to a big bid. It's calm to them. Yeah. And they need him for one more year. They need Mbappe for the extra year, frankly. Everyone's just flexing a bit here. Yeah. I don't think for a single second that Real Madrid thought they were going to get Mbappe in this window. And I actually don't believe for a single second that they wanted him this window. Rantino Perez is a weird character in the sense he has a huge amount of power and he has a huge amount of sway in certain circles. And I think he's been humbled in the last few years by what's gone on at Real Madrid. The Super League was a big humbling as well, I think. If you go on a very high profile radio show in Spain and explain why you're doubling down on, on the Super League and why you need it for survival and how there is no money and you know everyone's broke and everyone's going to go bust. And then you literally go and buy a player that you can have the following year for free because Mbappe yeah. will go to Real Madrid, I think. I, I don't, it's, mm. it's basically an open secret, isn't it, that he wants to go there. Mm. You know, Benzema's not getting any younger. They can play together and it's a nice, easy transition to who's... And one that Real need that as well. And that. if yeah. he does go for free next season, it then means yeah. that, uh, you know, Real Madrid could also buy Erling Haaland and they have basically the next era, the next decade of the Real Madrid front line locked. Because, That's unstoppable. That's yeah. an unstoppable front too. Yeah. You can't do anything with that. I mean, I still think it kind of writes off Benzema a year early, but I actually do, I actually think Benzema is the kind of player who could drop into like a second striker role around Holland, He's got the, he's, he's tactically intelligent. He's got enough. no problem with that at all. Yeah. He's got no problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Benzema's the ultimate shift worker as a forward. He can just plug him in anywhere in that front line and he'll make stuff happen. Yeah. Like he'll, he can work with multiple partners, midfield attack. He doesn't really. Yeah, for yeah, sure. He doesn't mind. Yeah. Um, so I never really thought it was ever going to happen. I think that if, from a Real Madrid perspective, if you think like, it's all about optics, isn't it? Like the whole, thing from a PSG perspective I think that makes the Messi signing so powerful is to play front line of Messi, Neymar and Mbappe mm. maybe plus one more Yeah, I think for Real Madrid obviously they've done the whole thing of like hey we offered money we wanted you we wanted you we wanted you and he's going to go there next season anyway like he can yeah, sign with yeah. them in January like he can sign a pre-contract in January absolutely Yeah, everyone kind of looks like they came out of this PSG resisted Real Madrid tried He'll probably end up there next season. It's saber rattling. It's like it's like it's like this uh, war games. It's like saber rattling, like firing missiles into like an un, 
and an unguarded stretch of water just to show you can. Saber rattling, that's it. Uh, we had a question from Bold Slugger about this. Does PSG turning down 200 million plus for a player that's leaving in 10 months lend a little credibility to the idea that the ESL was, among other things, the only hope to rein in spending from the state-owned clubs? I don't think that was the answer. It's like you can't, you can't fight can't fight money with money. I mean, you probably can, actually. That's a weird... That's, that's a you can't fight a bonfire with gasoline. You can't. It's a fair question. But a very fair question. Absolutely, yeah. And I get why people would suggest that, but it was only going to save fucking 15, 20 clubs. If that, that was going to nuke others. What football has an issue with here, and I think we said it at the time when we were doing the Super League stuff, is that so much of the decision-making is governed or dictated by those 20 clubs, mm. certain Champions League clubs. That's really unhealthy. The way to fix it isn't to make sure that the biggest clubs in the world can compete with clubs that have infinite financial resources. Mm. The way to fix it is to try and make sure that everyone across the board is in a better state to compete. The problem with that is that when you increase sporting parity into a system that has already been basically, it's like a pyramid, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or it's been funneled so much. It's really hard to unravel that and you can't change it's, it overnight. So where people, no. clubs like Real Madrid are trying to quick fix it with the Super League, it needs to be taken out of their hands. Like clubs cannot actually dictate how they're governed. They have to be governed. Yes. But the problem is absolutely. they're not being governed properly. Absolutely, yeah. So in short, I can understand people using that as an argument for to give the, the European Super League uh, credibility or the idea of it credibility. I don't think that it's the answer though. No, no, no. Agreed. Um, and we've said this all the time. Like we're essentially like fucking football. Lefties. You want a woke league. That's what you want. You want woke <laughs> European football. Woke, 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 woke. Woke, 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 woke. Woke, 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 woke. The Europa League. Should do it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Should do it. No, I mean, we'd, we'd, we'd love to see a, a European football system or, yeah. you know, culture that has more than two, three, four destinations for a top level player to go, like an absolute, like for a Holland or an Mbappe. We've said this a million times before. Boring of people. course. Um, Glad we're saying it though, still. I'm not bored. Let's have this one from Chilvia Plath. Shouts to Chilvia. Regular, regular question and asker. On Love the it. podcast and one of the best Twitter handles. There are some Twitter handles when I look at them, I just cry with laughter. There was one the other day, it was just like, it was just, it was like Trill Clinton. <laughs> For some reason, I was just gone. <laughs> uh, yeah, a friend of mine's got Bougie Bolton. <laughs> <laughs> the things people come up with, honestly, the things we come up with, yeah, yeah. How Undefeated. Is How is it free? It's free. Never, I'm never, I'm never quitting this. Out. I had a little jokey, jokey rant about not being verified the other day, and I think some people thought I was being like legit angry. Made me cry with laughter. That was so funny. <laughs> so, I, know, if I basically essentially tweeted that like I've tried to be verified. I've tried to get verified twice on Twitter now, right? And they've rejected me both times. That fucking little Volkswagen from the Euros. They carry the ball. Yeah, yeah. The hell, man! It was verified within hours, wasn't it? Very quickly. I haven't seen them do a podcast. <laughs> God. But it's okay. I'm all right. I feel a little bit more rogue if I'm not verified. How do they verify the ball? The ball car? Money, 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 money. Yeah, true, true, true. Money. <laughs> I can hit those high notes. It's so musical today. Yeah, you're nailing it. It's because I've had about nine cups of coffee. And it's a Wednesday. We're recording on a Wednesday afternoon. It all feels new. Uh, anyway, Chilvia Plath. Which player debuts are you most excited for? Ooh, odds on it. Um, Palace. Quite looking forward to that. Yeah, how that's, that's a sign I looked at and thought, I like that a lot, actually. Some real enterprise. And that's maybe a kind of like, maybe that's the kind of the Vieira factor, but having someone like that go there, you know, that's a real player. So maybe, yeah, I was in a palace. Um, that's one that stands out, I guess. Uh, I mean, obviously I want to see Saul Niguez, but I think for reasons we discussed, may not be an, it's not going to be an explosive start. I think, you know, more of a continuity player, someone who, as solidity more than something explosive. But yeah, how about you? How about you? Mm, that is a very good question. It's a funny one. I will say this quick caveat. The funny thing with debuts is players getting up to speed. Mm. It takes a while. We were even chatting on the way down here about Grealish, you know, he's easing himself into time at City, you know, it's not an explosive start. It's just like easing himself in, playing sensible passes, not kind of 
maxing out. You don't often see a player really come into their own until a few weeks in where they kind of like worked out their surroundings. So to, to have an explosive debut is not not as commonplace as, as we might expect, I think. Do you know what I'm just really looking forward to watching is actually like Ethan Ampadu at Venezia. What a loan Ooh, signing. That's so great. In Sheffield, playing for United. Mm. It's been a year in Venice. Also, the kind of test you're going to get was very, very much a kind of Sadov to Sampdoria type mm. energy of like, you're going to get tested there. You're really going to be examined quite sternly. Venezia obviously trying to stay up. It's a first time up in several years. Yeah, not a great start to the season either. You'll have your hands full in the best possible way. I think probably the one that I'm looking forward to the most though is Eduardo Camavinga at Real. I like that. Okay, That was one we didn't really mention before when we were talking about Real Madrid. That's but a that great is such signing. a massive signing for them. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's, I love it so much. Kind of came out of nowhere. And if, if you look at Real Madrid this season, and we talked about the depth that Atleti have, Real Madrid are quite strong. I, I, wor- yeah. I, I worry a little bit defensively about them, but we'll see. They've got great, they've got Militao, they've got, you know, the players, they, yes, they've lost Ramos and they've lost um, Varane. Varane. But I mean, Varane wasn't at the end of his cycle, but I think psychologically, I think he just wanted something else mm. to change. You know, those, those, those defenders came on a bit. And I think the thing with Real isn't they haven't got a bad squad. It's that some of the pieces are a little bit ill-fitting. And the thing about Camavinga that's exciting is his potential to knit knit things together. Like they've got some extremely smart players in that Real team now with Alaba there and Camavinga there. I mean, the footballing IQ of Real Madrid's squad is, is extremely high, I think. I mean, also from an Arsenal point of view, maybe not anyone from an Arsenal point of view. Um, obviously, Hector at Betis, just, yeah, going to be watching a lot of Betis this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, from a football point of view, obviously the, the spectacle of Ronaldo back at Old Trafford. Just in terms of how that puts them into the conversation. Sorry to cut in, but from a football sense, I'm actually intrigued to see how that goes because I'm, I mean, we mentioned obviously the, our more kind of general wider thoughts on the Ronaldo stuff the other day. And thanks to everyone, by the way, who's got in touch about that. We really appreciate it. But from a purely tactical point of view, I am quite interested to see how that goes. Obviously his numbers have been fine. Extraordinary. But I think that what you trade for those numbers, Mm. I'm interested to see how that translates into what happens on the pitch for Manchester United because I do think there was a real potential there for a very, very fluid and exciting front three that mm. would have a senior striker like Cavani to come in as Which an was option. working. I thought that was working as well. And especially with the addition of Sancho. I think yeah. Sancho, Greenwood, Rashford, for example, or with, an, with a Cavani in that, I think is quite an interesting. That gives you two very different propositions yes. depending on the opposition. Nice little rhyme there. Yep, yep, I sound yep. like a very like backpack rapper proposition. <laughs> opposition. Uh, something referenced to some highbrow literature. Homeboy oh, Sam, man. Yeah, exactly. That's how I hit you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just intrigued to see how it gonna, it's going to go. I mean, we covered the kind of, you know, the story aspect of it and obviously the homecoming from a, from a, former, a former club legend, etc. But I think from a football point of view, weirdly, I think it probably would have made a little bit more sense at Manchester City if you were just going to ask him to stick the ball in the net. Yeah, you're right. There was a more natural, there was a, there's, there's a clear throne at Man City where you just put him on. Whereas at United, you have to kind of reconfigure that attack a little bit. Oh, I'm also not sure that him and Pep would have clicked though. We had a chat about Pep and nines. Pep and number nines, this strange kind of... What are you talking like about? Mourinho. What are you talking about? He's lost his favourite ever number nine. Moose, can <laughs> replace him? Oh no, you can't replace him. <laughs> uh, when you bounce for bigger and better things and people interview me about it, I'm going to be like, I'm going to be like, we can't replace him. Yeah, I, don't, I don't replace him. No problem. It's fine. If that would be me when I leave the podcast, I'll cry and I'll be like, I can't replace Ryan. <laughs> Change the name to Radio. We need to do. It's going to be me ranting for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> we need to do a, we need to do a like, we need to do like a Marvel style podcast crossover where you, I and Ian turn up as variants of ourselves and we bring our hottest take selves and we basically well, just we've go- Rilo we, Ren, you've got yeah, Moose Rilo of the Yeah. And Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi, exactly. Obi-Wan <laughs> Kenobi. <laughs> <laughs> we have to do a podcast. I was going to say Luke Wrightwalker. <laughs> <laughs> Obi and Kenobi is more chaotic though. We need to give right here more menacing. I mean, he we is, can think of something. He's, we'll think he's, of something. he's very Jedi in that new Adidas. He's extreme though. Jedi. Yeah, yeah. He's very Jedi. I love it. Huh. Hang on. Let's think of it. Maybe, maybe I can. I think I'm on Wright's house next week. So if anyone's yeah. listening to this, 
Think, you can of, think of any think sort of your superhero slash supervillain pun name for Righty because he hasn't got one yet. Yeah, he needs one. Hang on, is he there? He's in the residence, but he is indisposed. He's somewhere else. I think he's up in a, he having a nap? corner. I was going to call I him. I think so. I think he's having a nap. Call, I was just going to call him live on the podcast. Be like, right. <laughs> what um, are you doing? Because <laughs> I'm literally in Righty's house. People don't realise that. I know, it's so weird. Uh, I, reckon, I reckon we're good, man. Can I say as well? Yeah, these have been great questions. Love them. Yeah, thanks everyone. Yeah. Great vibes, yeah. I should let you go. Eh? You've got to go and do a Q&A or something in a minute. Book signing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've got to bounce. Yeah, you know how it is. Uh, all by yourself, Ryan. You look so forlorn. I was really <laughs> sad, actually. Like, it was, I was obviously very, it warmed my heart seeing you all there in Manchester. You were much missed. You were much missed. Yeah, I'll be back soon. Hope everyone's staying safe and well. Getting vaccinated if you can. Don't forget, check the ringer.com forward slash soccer. Study on Twitter. Study football on Instagram. Oh, if you do listen to a podcast app that allows you to rate and review, please do so. It'd be very kind. You have any complaints at Okwanga on Twitter? Yeah, do it. Go on. I'm in a good mood. Come at me. <laughs> uh, Stadio Outros playlist on Spotify. Search for Stadio Outros on Spotify. You find all the music we play out on each episode. Speaking of which, playing out on the hot mix of Time for a Change by Benita out on the great Athens of the North label. And uh, yeah, much love, everyone. Have a lovely week and weekend. We'll be back with you on next week. Yes, the untweetables. We'll do that next week. We'll do it next week. Yeah, right. His house is coming on, on Monday next week. So, but yeah, we'll be with you later in the week. All right, everyone. Much love. Bye. See ya. I'm tired of taking chances with my love life. I'm tired of living on broken dreams. I'm tired of living in anticipation. This waiting game is not for me. I'm tired of holding back. I just can't break it. Tired of standing, just waiting in line. I'm tired of being taken for a fool. I know it's time for a change. It's time for a change, y'all. It's time for a change. I got no money Tired of eating out of golden cans I'm putting the whole wide world on notice That it's time for change Time for change, y'all Time for change There's no doubt I'm gonna make it I'm gonna make it Gonna drink champagne Change.